the No Grow Follow podcast where we talk about church and today's culture. With your hosts, Adam and Pastor Jay. Hey Adam, um, I have a question for you. So I've been thinking about influencers and sponsorship and endorsements. And, and what my daughter showed me the other day was there's this TikTok influencer and she's got 35 million uh, fans or likes or listeners or whatever. And um, if she walked in this room, I wouldn't know who she was. That she's got this fantastic influence, but it's this niche influence. And then I see Nike who spends a gajillion dollars to sponsor Colin Kaepernick, who's not who's not playing as an athlete anymore. He's become this spokesperson. And, uh, and I see you know, fitness influencers and, and these people who are influencing this niche market. So here's my question. For millennials like you, how do you choose or how do you, how, who influences you in your buying decisions when you're not watching TV, when, you're, when your world is so compartmentalized? Okay, so for me, I watch... Uh, not those people. I don't have TikTok. Right. I, I didn't jump on the hype train. But for me, I'm the person that will go out and buy like computer parts okay. or go out and uh, hear about new gadgets and want to buy new gadgets. So most of the time, the people I refer to uh, about those are like people like Gamers Nexus and Jay's T Sense because those are the people I watch religiously. Okay. So is there like a gamer who has 35 million followers on something that that I wouldn't wouldn't know when they walked in the door? Yes. So, like, the OG, uh, like, influencer was, uh, well, one of the OG influencers, everyone knows, that's my age name, PewDiePie. Okay. Um, I believe he's from uh, Northern Europe, but he... I think he got up to like 35 million Man. subscribers. Yeah. Not, not even like viewers, like subscribers. subscribers. Ridiculous amount of people that followed. Oh, yeah. And like he deserved it because he jumped on the bandwagon at the begin- beginning of YouTube and he grew his channel and everything. Sure. And when people talk about influencers, that's, what I, that's the first thing I think is like because I'm that nerdy type. The first thing I think is like uh, MarketPie or uh, PewDiePie, um, stuff like that. But other things I think are the other names across YouTube universe that come up in these videos. Yeah. And so some of the uh, some of the names that come up are like the Pauls, the, the Jake and Logan Paul. Okay. They are. I would consider them influencers as well. Yeah. Anyone that goes out and they show what they do and they recommend things and they do things like that, I would consider them as influencers. Now, I don't directly follow Colin Kaepernick or right. these TikTok people. Because uh, they're not influencing you. They're not influencing me. Yeah. But they, you can see how they influence people on a daily basis. Right. So my, so I have two sort of premises that I, I think will be interesting in this discussion. So the, the first premise is that we could fill the room we're in with people who are influencers in these niche markets who probably don't know each other and probably 
we could pull a random person and they wouldn't recognize them. You know, I could start listing off names of football players that wouldn't that wouldn't be influencers to some people, or or professional fishermen. You know, who are professional. I watched the documentary about the kids that did the Rubik's cube for speed. You know, and at one point, these Rubik's cube guys walking through the airport, and people are asking him for his autograph. Dude, I could sit next to the Rubik's cube guy, and I would not know who he was. Mm-hmm. You know that there's the sphere of influence. I, I think is my is what I would like to talk about. There's there's the compartment of your influence or the sphere of influence has become so compartmentalized that you're being influenced by different people than I'm being influenced that's being influenced by different people than that person or that person or that person. So how does the church speak into the lives of folks whose sphere of influence is so compartmentalized or so different than maybe than their neighbor? Or does the church have to find a way to influence across do you influence across the board or do you decide this is the niche there's my question okay so i know this is like a super roundabout way okay of thinking about it but there's like a moore's law of social interaction moore's law like your law or is moore's law like a real thing like moore's law is a real thing okay so (laughs) So Moore's Law states, okay, nerd level of it, right? All right, I'm ready. Nerd's Law. Teach me. Nerd's Law says that every two years, the number of transistors on a uh, computer will double. Okay. Okay, so that being, now take that and move it socially. Is that, wait, like exponentially double? Like at once there was two and then there was four, but now there's a billion and so there'll be two billion? Like, yeah, so okay. every two years it doubles. Right, but, I, but with the new NVIDIA, it blew out of the water. But anyways, okay. So uh, every two years, yeah, the different ways that a given subject can market itself across social media okay. doubles. it was MySpace, and there's MySpace Facebook. So now you have YouTube, TikTok, yeah. um, Instagram. Yeah. You have a billion different yeah. things to market. Choose your platform. And like podcasts, everything yeah. like that. So with all those being out there, yeah. the church kind of has to do one of two things. Okay. They can concentrate all their efforts onto the thing that's most Churches are just going to go out and say, hey, we're going to use TikTok and we're going to promote VAD. Right. Or you can go and promote a little bit across everybody. Sure. It depends on the way the church wants to promote itself. Yeah. So you're going to get a larger variety of people if you go across a larger variety. That makes total sense. But you're going to get a small variety across a small variety. that yeah are also the people that are 
more likely to not come to church because they would rather stay home and do what's sure. on their phone. Yeah, yeah. And so. yet, and yet, what I'm interested in is their influence. Like, so, so there's this TikTok person whose name I can't remember, so I won't say it. But she's a my daughter talks about her a lot, right? And she has a major influence on fashion. It's like a fashion vlog TikTok thing. Right. And so my daughter is now shopping for the clothes that the in- the influencer is. Part of the way the influencer makes money, right, is that she's got a program or with, with whatever store. And so when you shop at the store, if you use that code, you know you get 15%. And I know that that means that this girl gets a percent. Cool. Like, I don't have a problem with the system. I have no problem with the way that the structure works and that sort of pyramid thing that she gets a cut based on commission sales because she's got 35 million. Like I get that. And I have no problem with that. But what I see is like, how do we take the wisdom of that and use it here? So so when we started our podcast, one of the reasons I chose the plat the, the dashboard software for this particular podcast is that they advertised that your podcast would be on 11 platforms. So <clears throat> so we're not just so this podcast isn't just on Spotify. It isn't just on iHeartRadio. It isn't just on Apple iTunes Music Store. It's it's on 11 platforms. Nine of which I don't know what they are. Right? I mean, I know what Spotify and iTunes and iHeartRadio, because those are the ones I use. Those are the ones that influence what I listen to. And yet there are listeners, tens of listeners on other platforms that are listening to us as well. And I think that there's got to be a strategy there that the church can mine. If I was the church, yeah, I would want to sit down and talk to someone that is an influencer and ask them what is the best way because I, I don't i don't have the answer to that yeah and i'm sure the last thing on a lot of these influencers minds is church right so i and a lot of the the influencers that are out there right now mm-hmm. are millennials the yeah. you, know, you know the one that the church failed yeah. yeah, our millennials. Yeah, they're finding this in this the the church isn't being influ- isn't influencing the influencers. Yeah. Right. Um so the church has got to step up. Yeah. They don't have to like square up or anything, but right. they do have to step up and yeah. they have to say, "Hey, um I either want a piece of this action mm-hmm. or I would like your help." Yeah. So that being said, it's going to be extremely difficult yeah. because, as you said in the sermon that I watched today, uh-huh. change is hard. Mm-hmm. Now, change for a newer generation is easier. If you looked out, you saw a lot of the people that raised their hands mm-hmm. were younger. That's true. So, change is hard for the older as things age, change gets harder. Yes. So rituals, traditions. The church structure. is forever old. Yeah. So change is extremely hard. Yeah. Somebody said, and I don't know where they get where they got this number, but that the church in America is at least ten to fifteen years behind the culture of America. 
So there are, there's a church, I guarantee you, somewhere. I don't know who they are or whatever. And if this is the church where your parents go, you can laugh now. But there's a church right now that's deciding whether or not they should get a Facebook. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like I sat in meetings in the MySpace generation where the church, the elders of the church, argued why they should not have a church MySpace. You know, even though the youth were there, even though it was growing, even though it was the, you know, there is, there is a church right now that is trying to decide whether or not this Twitter thing is really going to stick around. Um, just as there are churches who are still raising money to put organs in their church sanctuaries so that they can play organ music on new organs. You know, because that's their, that's their thing. I think what churches are going to have to do... Yeah. Churches are going to have to hire a social media specialist. I think you're right. And, like, you can see this being influenced across the board. Mm -hmm. You can see businesses that have social media specialists. Mm -hmm. First thing that comes up to my mind is, um, it's kind of messed up, but Wendy's. Okay. Wendy's has a social media specialist. Mm -hmm. And the way they market themselves on social media is by, like, backlash at other people. They'll say, like... And it's gotten to the point where people tweet at Wendy's for Wendy's to grow them. Okay. And um, if you if you if you're interested in that, look up Wendy's twi- uh, Twitter. Yeah. Hilarious. Okay. It's great. But I mean, that's yeah, that's a successful strategy that they have, yeah. and I guarantee someone came up with that. But social media specialist is yeah. something that every organization will need. So I see one of the things I think. We, one of the things we did here at Hosanna that I'm very proud of is at the beginning of the coronavirus and, and a little bit before that we'd already laid the groundwork is to start talking about our physical campus and an online campus. That we have folks who participate in the podcast, folks who listen to our worship, who worship with us on live Facebook, people who um, send in prayers on our prayer request things. We have, uh, we have a, an app that we don't market or use very often, but there are people who follow our schedule and do communicate once in a while with our app. Um, and so we have this online community of folks who may never be here, who have plugged in from one way. But I, I absolutely agree that there's a place for uh, an online specialist, for an online campus pastor, for, um, for maybe even for online church. You know, online, the words together, online church, are Googled something like 20,000 times a day. That people are looking for a connectedness that's so much different. If, I think we live in really exciting, fantastic times. I think this is really a, a, you know, a new reformation for the church where all of a sudden we're forced to say, man, you know, the way we always did it wasn't really working the way we thought it was working. And all of a sudden we don't have... the we can't be complacent. We have to make some kind of a change. With change comes risks. Yes. That's, that's the thing that churches yeah. are afraid of. So Pain. There, Not just risk, but pain. There is a, a thing that's still going on that developed about two years ago. Okay. Um, that there's this uh, tech uh, website called The Verge. Yeah. Well, they put out a computer build. Okay. And it was like a telling people how to build computers. Okay. And it was wrong. Okay. Completely bad. Okay. On uh, purpose wrong? 
No, oh, no, 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 just, no, no. They no. mistakenly built it poorly. Yes. Okay. And they got so much backlash from it, and they they lost so much support. And that's yeah. them going out on a limb and saying, like, doing this, and that's some they published, and Capital One sponsored it, oh, wow. and oh my lord it was a disaster and that's the type of thing that you face yeah when you take you take a step out and you um you take a step out and you take a risk take a risk yeah you risk it's it's an experiment i mean you could fail yes you, they, you, they can, would... you can crash and burn yeah. literally yeah so yeah, and that—that's how a lot of influencers come out. They take a huge right. risk, and if it pays off, they become big. Yeah. If it doesn't, there's a new influencer to take their spot. Yes. Yeah. From a church perspective. Yes. From a Christian perspective. Not from a church perspective. From a Christian perspective, right. <laughs> you know, I can kind of laugh and say, "But we know the end. Like we've read all the way to the end of the book, and at the end, Jesus wins. Like we know uh, our Christian story has this promise and this hope that's built into it. That it's about death and resurrection. I mean, that's risk, failure, and now there's a whole new thing. Like the resurrection becomes this hope for us that God can make dead things alive somehow. And and so with that, I think there's, I feel a freedom to take that risk. I like to talk about experiments. Experiments are a little easier for people to swallow than change. You know, um, if, you, if you're in, so if you are part of my congregation and you've heard me say experiment, what I really mean is change, right? So I'll say, let's try an experiment as a congregation. Let's try new worship style or a new worship time. Or let's, let's invest some time and energy and resources in a Saturday night worship service. And it's not, we're not going to do it forever. If it doesn't work, we don't have to keep it. If you don't like it, we'll change it. Or we don't, we'll do it, you know. But it's an experiment. And the experiment gives us the opportunity because I don't think a failure is a failure. Partly because I know at the end of the book, God will call all people to God's self. That we're told that God loves creation and created creation good and that God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross to defeat sin, death, and the devil. And through his resurrection, we're all called, all of us, everyone, called to live into this new kingdom, this new reality. Right? And so if I say, if our congregation decides that, man, uh, 3 a.m. on Tuesdays might be the best time to have worship, and we do that, and nobody comes, and it's a failure, so what? Yes, but at the level that you're saying isn't the type of level that influencers take. Right. So the the way I would see the church taking that big step that we're talking about earlier yeah. is like... And will cause some churches to close because mm-hmm. it's it's like a last effort. Yeah. So things such as like having a big like festival or something. Yeah. To attract people and yeah. to, and kind of spread the the word so they may know, grow, and follow. Yeah. Uh, but I don't see Dude, a I, way we... a church could do it. And be comfortable with it because the church, 
The yes. church is such a... Yes. Because you can't say, even say the word influencer to no, you're, someone that is over the age of 50 and them have any idea what we're talking about. Dude, you are you are at the end. You are almost ready to say, I think, where we're at. Like, there is, and the word I'm thinking about is entrenched. Right? That people are, that, the, that we, churches, individual churches, congregations, families of faith, do things because they work for those people. Right? They, they create ritual. They create timing. They had a, they, somebody took a risk, and they were invited or they participated, and now that they're there, that's the way they like it. Because if they didn't like it, they would go somewhere else. I've lived in this town for four years. I've been a member of three gyms. Okay? In four years, I've been a member of three gyms. Why? Because they changed programming, or they changed calendar, or they changed structure, or they moved their location, or I moved my location, and it didn't work for me anymore. So I didn't drive past one gym that I could go to to go to a different one because it didn't work anymore. So I left my membership at one gym, and I became a member at the other gym. Because that's how I think the world works. And I think that churches can work like that too. You know, if it's working for you, rock on. But it might not be working for somebody else. And they need to go check something else. However, if that gym where it's working for you dwindles and dwindles and dwindles until you're the only guy there, like that gym's going to close. So this, this is what I'm thinking. This is... This is what's going in my head right now, and it's a picture. Yeah. Okay, what I'm thinking is, uh, I think it's called Ar- Artinian Line? I don't know what this okay, is at all. Okay, so, like, in World War One, there was a huge trench across okay. France. Okay. And I'll take your word for it. This is history. I don't know. The... I think it was called the Armenians line. I can't remember. Okay. A big trench. A huge trench. And one side was the Germans. Yeah. And then the other side was the Allies. Yeah. And what I'm thinking is the church is on one side and there's nothing on the other. But they're staying there. Yeah. And they're not moving. Yeah. And they have to advance at some point. Now... The the way that it worked in World War One, okay. to my knowledge, is they would have a couple of people that were leaders that would go up first, yeah, and they would go, and everybody else would follow. Okay. So what the church needs is a couple leaders. Is a couple of leaders yeah. that will get up and go. Those guys got killed first, by the way. Yes. Yeah. So. That's the problem. <laughs> so, but I, that's that's what we need. So let me. So let's go back to my gym example because I think this is where the church, the mindset of the church should be different, but isn't. Okay, for for the for the guy. So let's go back to my gym example. I've lived here for four years. I've been a member of all these gyms. Um, if I leave my membership at one, and the, the owner of that gym eventually loses everybody, that gym has to close. Right, and so that's that guy's livelihood. That's that guy's business. Do all of the people who work out there still get to work out somewhere? Absolutely. I went to a different gym. And if the gym closes, other people will go to different gyms as well, right? 
As Christians, we've got to stop thinking about ourselves as isolated communities of faith and, and, and worried about our own chunk, our own brand, our own franchise, right? And say, I know how the story ends. So if we make a bold move, if a congregation makes a bold move, not us, don't worry, I won't change anything here at this congregation. If a congregation makes a bold move and everybody hates it and they go to other congregations who are reaching out and growing and starting new churches and blossoming, sweet. Like, I'm a problem with that, right? If, if your faith is stagnant in this place, but your faith is growing in another place, as a pastor, I want you to go to the other place. But that's easy for me to say as a pastor, except for that my feelings get hurt. But it's really hard for me to say as an institution. And if I went to the elder board, if I went to the council of, the con- of any congregation, I said, here's the good news. We're going to take this bold move. And probably everyone who goes here is going to go somewhere else. And there's a risk that we could close the path to sell the property and, and whatever. But there is a chance that God's calling us to minister in this tour. I agree, but I also disagree. Yeah. Okay, so the people that we are talking about, sure. the younger generation that yeah. is targeted by influencers, yeah. they don't think of a church as, like, there's church here, there's church across the street. They think yeah. of it as the church. Right. And that's how the church needs to think about the church yeah. is by saying, okay, we're one organization now. Yeah, that's not ever going to happen. Well, guess what? <laughs> It happens in the Bible and it happens at the end. And it happens every Sunday when we say we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We believe in one universal church sent out. That's what that means. So, so in the Apostles' Creed, you remember this. Maybe our listeners listen to it from, from they've been at a Catholic church one time or they went to a church where they profess the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed says this, these are the three things the church believes in. This is who God is as creator. This is who Jesus is as as the Savior, this is who the Holy Spirit is that empowers the church today. And we say in our congregation, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So holy, we understand. Holy is holy, right? Catholic, in that sense, has a little C, not a capital C. So it's not Roman Catholic like the Roman Catholic Church of the Pope. It's Catholic, which is a word with a Latin derivative that means universal. So one united, one holy and united church, not different congregations or denominations, but there's one body collective that's all church together. One holy Catholic and apostolic. And apostolic <clears throat> comes from the root word uh, that we get post office, right? And the post office is where you send letters. Well, apostolic means that the church is sent. So I believe in one holy, universal, which means everybody, church that's sent out, apostled, sent out into the world to proclaim the love of Jesus. I believe in that. And yet, as a church leader, as, a, as an employed, paid staff person in a congregation, I know you can't have a cup of coffee with, you can't schedule a coffee for all the pastors in town because churches, institutions, church bodies, and family, communities of faith don't see each other as part of this one. Many don't see themselves as part of this, this body collective, but it, we're swapping sheep, man, because if, your guy comes here, he's going to bring his checkbook. And if my gal goes there, she's going to take her kids who are part of the youth group. And, and unfortunately, sin in the world has created 
churches that battle over stupid stuff, like the size of their sign or the color of their carpet, or they battle against you know, social issues, abortion, sexuality questions, and they create this doctrine that divides people. But we all say we believe in one holy Catholic apostolic church, but we don't act like it. So let me ask you a question. Okay. The newer generation. Yeah. And um, you could think about this as listeners as well. When a younger person that doesn't live with their parents anymore mm-hmm. gets upset at a church, you think they'll go to a different church? Heck no. Then why do you think that they'll trade churches? Well, they're not coming. Yeah. So you're, you're absolutely right. So, and it, it's not going to change. Yeah. That's how church is going to be from now on. Right, because it's full of people. So if you lose someone, yeah, you're going to lose them forever. Right. And that's not from... That's not from your church. That's from church. the church. Yeah. In general. Yeah. So what troubles me about this is that one of the reasons why a millennial may leave the congregation that I serve, even though they haven't been there in years, yeah. right, fall away, is because some Yahoo and some other pastor and some other church says something stupid about a cause that they believe in. So when I say here at this particular church, our theology is such that all are welcome so if you have been divorced come and be a part you are you can fully participate in the life of this congregation whereas a millennial whose parents may be divorced in a different denomination in a different church were then ostracized and shut out from that place and so why would they want to go to the church where their mom can't take communion even though their dad had an affair and that's why they had the they got divorced right so that person may be lost from the church even though they might feel like a fully, fully included participant in a different place, if the right, if we were able to reach them with the, if God was able to use us to reach them with the right message to get them from wherever they are to listen to the podcast, to go to the TikTok, to get to the Facebook online worship, to maybe walk in the door someday. So. You, you you contradicted yourself pretty hard in there. Tell tell me what I did. Okay, so you said um, one path like you you were preaching to them. Yeah. And a pastor, another pastor, said something. Yeah. And why should that affect basically? Yeah. That's because they already know that the church is the church. Yeah. The, the church has to accept its one entity. Yeah. And until that occurs, which every millennial has always already said. The church. All they'll churches were, are the same. They're all the, the same. Yes. They'll refer to the church, like all churches, as the church. Yeah. And so if one pastor says something that offends yeah. someone, they'll leave that church and not go to any other because all churches are the Sure. And that's how it's going to be from now on. And So does cancel culture in the millennial life, does, do they do that with... With influencers? Like, yes, all okay. the time. So if I if if I follow this influencer on TikTok and all of a sudden she totally sells out and starts wearing fashion from someplace that's awful that I'm against, like, are, are millennials, would a millennial then just leave TikTok? Perhaps? Let me give you an example. Yeah. The Verge that we we're talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, They lost 90% of their viewers. Yeah. Over wow. that. Yeah. Okay. So, like... It's bad. And yeah. that's not even cancel culture. That's yeah. just nerds going like, yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, th- I think they've regained a little bit of their strength because it's online and it's a little bit easier, but it, it's it's extremely upsetting because, like, yeah, flip, flip of a switch. Yeah. And if you get a, on for example, I'm going to take YouTube for an example because yeah. I have a little bit of experience with it. If a big company, mm-hmm. if you say something about a big company and a big company issues a copyright strike, mm-hmm against your channel, your channel could be gone forever in a day. Gone. Gone. And everything is wiped. Yeah. So people's livelihoods are just gone. And so that's what millennials are used to. Yeah. So if someone says something that offends them, yeah, that's where cancel culture came from. Sure. So your millennial friends, let me ask a question, because as a leader in a congregation, I minister to all age groups. Yes. So... I told you that story about leaving the gym. Yes. Right? Did you find anything problematic in that story? Not at all. It made total sense to you? Yes. That you would go to the one that meets your needs? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't refer to the gyms as the same thing as I refer to church. Right. But if there are folks in this, in the congregation where we serve, right here, uh-huh. right, who would hear that story and would like feel really bad for the first gym and would... Like, be really upset that I would do that since I had this tradition of always going to that gym. And what about the community of faith? What about the community of exercisers that met at that time that I was a part of and now I'm not a part of them anymore? Like, didn't I take their needs into consideration? Business is take, businesses take risks. Yeah. And risks uh, have a string mm-hmm. where it's, or, um, like yeah. failure reward. Yeah. And then it goes to, um, then it goes down from there, and it's one of those string plots. Yeah. If you fail enough times, you you die. Yeah. As a business. So and like, church is a business. it's a business and the government doesn't treat it like a business but in reality church is a a, a, like a non-profit we're not we're a non-profit but but we have a board we have a spreadsheet we have excel we have a budget we have meetings and yeah it if if your church if your church tells you they don't function as a business they're not telling you the truth Mm -hmm. so it it is literally going to follow the same uh, string plot risk it's either reward or failure, and then it's risk, reward, or bankruptcy. Yeah. So that that's that's how businesses work. Yeah. And the church isn't going to be any different. Right. Just it's not special. Which is why I'm afraid the church is so reluctant reluctant to make change, and why for 500 years, give or take, the Protestant church and the Catholic church for that matter have looked roughly the same. I mean, we've picked up different music sort of we've picked up different language of course we've been translated into different languages um fashion styles pews or seats uh, what time some of those things have changed but for the most part church 19 church 1550 and church 
2015 roughly are the same, which is why, partly, we have lost so many people. Yes. Because the world 1550 and the world 2015 are not the same. And the world 2015 and the world 2020 are not the same. I mean, there are basic family structures, right? People fall in love and have kids. But people falling in love and having kids in 2020 looks different than people falling in love and having kids 1920. You know, the world, we understand people and life and transportation and technology are so different. I mean, a, a, a debate that leads to a presidential election in 2020 looks nothing like how people would find out about presidential candidates to elect them in, in 20, in 1920, heck, in in 2010, you know, I mean, there's just it's it's the world is changing at a rate that is similar to Moore's law. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, also, this is 100% the church's fault, and I'll <laughs> pin this on the church. Okay. 100%. All right. When millennials came out, and we, the church knew that there was an issue. Like, 100% new. Like, people were leaving that church, oh. church at a massive rate. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the church do a single thing to stop it. Yeah. And that's another reason why we hold a grudge, as we were talking yeah. about last, last week. We hold a grudge. Did you see the movie 16 Candles? I'm going to totally date myself. It's no. an 80s movie. Yeah, definitely. Molly Ringwald. I don't even know who that is. You don't even know who that is. Oh, my gosh. Um... Anyway, there's this movie called Sixteen Candles. How about Home Alone? Do you see that with Macaulay Culkin? Yes. Okay. There's a movie, right, where the kid gets totally forgotten, right? If I was Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone, dude, I'm not happily ever after with my family. Like, it's going all down in my house. If you leave me at home because you went on family vacation, and then, clearly it's a movie, so I'm, like, overreacting here. It happens again. Because there's Home Alone 2, where Kevin gets left home a second time, right? That one even has a cameo experience by Donald Trump in Home Alone 2, because he ends up in New York. I would be mad forever. Like, you better believe when the Macaulay Culkin character is 25 years old and he's got a a family, um, I'm not going home for Christmas to see my parents because I'm still mad. I'm going to hold a grudge. I, I totally get what you're saying. We have known, the church has known for years that seven out of ten of confirmation teenagers stop coming to church after they're confirmed. And there were some churches who tried to make differences, and some congregations took bold steps and maybe succeeded, but most didn't, right? Um, but for the most part, the, the, the Protestant American denomination said, well, they'll come back when they get married or have kids. And they don't. In the 1950s, they did. Right? I mean, we knew this, right? In the, in the 1950s, when, when Lutheranism was the fastest growing denomination in, in the United States, um, people were having lots of children. People were coming to church school. Some of the statistics were the same. People, teenagers, 13, 14 years old, will get confirmed in the Lutheran church, which is a, a, a ritual that we have here, um, where you say as a student, this is my church, not just the church that my parents go to. Right? And then they would gone, be gone, seven out of 10 was not the statistic then, but it was like 50-50. And you would lose them then until, Adam, they had a baby to be baptized or they wanted to get married. And they would come back, sort of make a pit stop in the church for the wedding or the baptism, whichever came first, 
doesn't matter, life happens, right? And then when their kids became five and went to, pre, to kindergarten, they went to Sunday school. And Sunday school attendance was the draw because their parents made them go to Sunday school, so they were gonna make their kids go to Sunday school. And at, at, in the 1950s, when those parents came back at 22, 25 with their first child, they be, then became members of the congregation again. But it doesn't happen like that anymore. And the, and the church has been complacent in that. So, light bulb moment. Yeah, tell me. Okay, so, that circulation has stopped. Yes. But there might be a way to jumpstart it. Okay. Okay, so, the COVID kids are about to occur. Yeah. So, all, all these all these children that are going to be birthed yeah. because... Yeah. So, COVID kids are about to be born. Yeah. Why doesn't the church market... The COVID kids. The COVID kids. Yeah. And say, hey, uh, we'll... We'll baptize, no questions asked, yeah. no nothing. Yeah. We'll, we'll be happy to baptize. I love that. But we, they need to do that. Like, yeah. like the church needs to get up and say that. Yeah. Because I haven't heard anything like that. No, I, I, haven't I haven't heard, heard anything like that. I haven't even heard the church talk about baptism in forever. Yeah. And I have never seen like a, anything anywhere that says, hey, no questions asked, we will baptize your yeah. child if, if so be. Yeah. I love it. Well, why can't we do that? We can totally do that. I'm, in my, that's a genius idea, Adam. I'm, in my head, I'm creating a graphic already, and I'm thinking about a Facebook marketing campaign that we're going to send to the Mandeville Mamas or the, the Madisonville Mamas, whatever PTA groups are around, to say, like, we can't wait to baptize our first COVID kid. I love that. You know, yeah, I, you know. I mean, like, it, it needs to, we need to jumpstart the system somehow. Yeah. And, but after we jumpstart the system, yeah. we also need to figure out how to keep them. Yes! And at that point... Dude, you're reading my mind. <laughs> at that point, we need to ask them. So... We, we, we need to have a sit down with them. Because what? I'm only one voice. Yeah. But there are plenty of... If, if yeah. we do that, we should, for every baptism that we do... We need to have a plan. We, we need to ask that question. What, what question? Can, we need to ask, what can we do better? Mm-hmm. And because any of these people I come with, COVID kids, yeah. they don't go to church. Right. Because I, I haven't seen anybody that's pregnant, <laughs> but there's plenty of them out there. Sure. So, like... Uh, my girlfriend works at a OBGYN oh. office. Yeah, okay. There's so many oh pregnant people. Absolutely. So, like, it's such a good opportunity yeah. for the church. Now, not saying for the church to, this is may just be like an opportunity given by God in a really yeah. roundabout no, way. I but, love it. like, it needs to occur. Like, that's, like, share this with all your pastor friends. Yeah, like, absolutely. We, we need to do this. We need to jump on the ball. Yeah. Because, the church is going to die yeah. if we don't. The, well, this is like a risk-reward type let me, thing. No, let me jump in there because, yes, I agree. The institution that we know as church is going to die because yes. the institution isn't working anymore. As a Christian, I believe that the word of God that we hear through Jesus Christ will reign eternal. Maybe yes. we'll, we'll, we'll continue again. In fact, the church is having a party in the Southern Hemisphere. I mean, there's a... Uh, an explosion of Christianity in the Southern Hemisphere. 
doesn't look like American church, doesn't look like German church, doesn't look like Scandinavian church. It looks totally different. But God's word, the Holy Spirit, through in, in a Christian understanding of what's going on in, in the Bible, is going nuts. There's a, a Southern Hemisphere party just blowing up. What's going on now? Let me jump in. I want to say one thing, because you nailed it. I was so excited. I was jumping off my chair. Folks, listeners, you couldn't, you couldn't see how excited I was, but you maybe heard it. You maybe can hear it in my voice that I'm so excited, right? Those few churches that took those bold experiments and didn't fail. Let's go back in the, in the conversation. You said there's this thing, you have two choices. Complacency that leads to death, which we know, right? Or you can make a, a, try an experiment, make some kind of bold influencing choice in the world where you have two options. You have the, a win, right, the reward, or you can fail. So, so the failing churches can end up the same as the complacent churches, but we'll talk about it. There are some churches that succeed. They do a, a fantastic, job creating that one event that brings the community together or brings a bunch of people to their campus who can be new members or or sends uh, 10 well we've sent 10,000 meals from our congregation for free into the community since the beginning of coronavirus right that we've reached out into all those homes we've done little miraculous things then they don't do anything right they have an event but they figured it was going to fail so they didn't put a plan together to invite those people to come back a second time. If you crank the engine, you gotta give a gas. Dude, I tell you, this is the thing. Like this happens in congregations across the board. They put all of this, and we're gonna do this event, and we're gonna put this together, and we're gonna invite 400 people to come to the trunk or treat. And then I say, oh cool, so did you set up more chairs the next Sunday? Well, no. Or how did you invite them? What do you mean? We invited them, they came. 400 people came onto our campus. So I get a telephone call. This is a true story. I, uh, we have in our congregation uh, where I serve, Hosanna Lutheran in Mandeville, we've got a circle driveway that people drive through in a circle, right? And, and all of the, there are windows that face that circle. So when you're sitting in the circle, you can look into the beautiful narthex gathering space and, and see also through windows and see into the, our sanctuary. It's, it's quite lovely, really. There was a process or a procedure that we wouldn't hang anything on those windows because what we wanted to do is for people to see inside and people who are coming to the circle drive are probably going to come inside anyway so so they right so the idea was we're going to keep these windows bare so that people can come in i get a telephone call from the from a, a parent who's not a member of our congregation whose kids don't go here um, whose daughter is on the track team at the cross-country, the cross-country team at school. And she says this, the cross-country team every year does a fundraiser car wash. And the place where we usually have it said we can't have it there anymore. Is there any chance we can do the cross-country car wash in the circle drive at your church? Right? And so I'm like, sure. I don't have to think about this. This seems pretty obvious. We don't have any families on cross-country. We don't have any kids in our youth group who go to cross-country. Um, but let's... But sure, if you need a place to do the fundraiser car wash, we've got a driveway, nothing's going on, absolutely, knock yourself out. We'll give you a donation for the water, whatever, don't worry about it. Um, so that happened. The next phone call I made, Adam, was to our office manager, and I said, print off everything that we need to advertise and tape it to the windows. Right? Yeah. That step was a giganto step that lots of churches don't take. Because they say, 
oh cool, we're gonna have all of these families in a car wash on our property, awesome. It's a small step, but in the church that never does change. Yeah. Huge. Huge, huge. So I had a couple people tell me, you know, we don't normally put posters on the wall, on the glass. You know, and I had to explain. The reason why the posters are on the glass is because we had, you know, up to a thousand people who had got their car washed as a fundraiser in sitting in that space, including me. Like, right? Like, if I'm going to do this and I'm the pastor and we're a congregation that wants to grow, we're going to support this thing that's going on that could be easy evangelism right here in our spot. Right? The number of churches who have this big event and don't set out any more chairs or print any more bulletins for Sunday morning blows my mind. That, that all of the effort goes into the thing and there's not a plan to sell the next thing. So there was a women's event here on Friday and our small group coordinator had plans to start a small group afterwards. So she took the names and email addresses of all of the women that were here. She met the people who were here. She sent out an email that said, thank you so much for coming. When you're ready to start the small group, here's the two that are starting next week. Right? You gotta have a plan. It, I mean, it's, it's rocket surgery. I mean, like, you just do it, right? And I think that that's part of, the, part of the issue that we're talking about is historically in the church, we haven't had to do that. I mean, we had babies, and we baptized babies, and they got confirmed, and they went to do whatever they did for life for a few years, and then when they had babies, they came back. And, and now they're not. So, so we have COVID babies, and we do... We use the technology that we have today, including this podcast. If you have a COVID baby, moms, if you're pregnant today and you're going to have a COVID baby and you want that baby to be baptized in this congregation, we baptize infants, send an email to nogrowfollowpodcast at yahoo.com and we will schedule that baptism because I'm excited to baptize your COVID baby. And, and since you're listening, you're on the inside track now, we will continue to make a plan for what we offer, what, what you... You can tell us what you need and how we might be able to offer that as a congregation because we want you to be part of our family of faith. We want you and your child and your family to grow up knowing that Jesus is Lord and Savior, to know that churches are welcoming and including of all sinners of all flavors, um, and that through God's grace we become saints, that, that we live this into being, this new kingdom of God. And, and if that's you, we want you to be here, listener. Um, and if, you, if you've never experience something like church and you have questions don't be afraid to ask yeah yeah we're here for that and and if you have an idea of what could come next right um you know we'll think about it at our contests and we'll pray about it but but if the next thing that the covid baby who got baptized needs is a sunday school or a monday school if they need uh, a parenting class maybe there's a, a small group for new first-time families or or maybe there's some kind of connection with moms and grandmas you know, maybe you live far from home. Who knows what the need might be, but we're willing to and excited to start to live that in, into being. So when you, come, when you come to have your COVID baby baptized, your son or daughter named Covina or Corona or, or COVID or, or you know, Netflix, Bingen, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, whatever you name your child, we'd love to baptize that child and then start to provide a connectedness into a long-term relationship. And if you aren't local, right? don't be afraid to ask a, just give a call to a local pastor. Yeah. If they say no. Call a different one. Call a different one. Yeah. Because that's, 
we're talking about the church. Yeah. And if the pastor says no, they don't have the vision of church. Right. In mind. Right. And if you need our help, you can also call or send a message here to us and we'll help you try to find a pastor in your local area who would who maybe has that vision. We'll try to connect with more and more. Um I think this has been fantastic today. I think it's been absolutely yeah. amazing. Thank you for listening to the No Grow Follow podcast. This is Jay and Adam. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Let me close in prayer. Dear Lord God, we give you thanks for your one holy Catholic and apostolic church for many flavors of faith, O oh Lord, that worship you in many ways. Be with our listeners wherever they may be and with their families and those they love. Uh, speak to them in their hearts, O oh Lord, and connect them with other families of faith that are welcoming and include them into the life uh, of, of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.